Welcome everyone to the Weekly Slab episode four. This episode is the 2021 year in review. Nate, I'm pumped to be here. We have a lot to cover today. I know you went through and grabbed a ton of different things that happened in 2021, which are super important because I think that this is a defining year for the sports card hobby going forward. A ton. I mean, there's a lot that's happened, so we got to get going here pretty soon, but welcome. Uh, thank you for having me. I cannot believe that we're already almost done with today's the 30th. We're almost done with 2021. Feels like it just started. We're already yeah. on to 2022. So, yep. And uh, this episode, we are recording the same day it's going out. So, this is different than the other episodes that normally they release, uh, you know, on Thursdays, we record them on Tuesdays. So, this is the most up to date information. And we are doing a way different episode than normal. You know, normally we got our news, we got our trending players, we got our debate going on. This is just going to be everything that happened throughout this year, including different sales, different trends you know, different show recaps. So we'll talk about some different card shows we went to some different favorite things that we saw this year. And then we're also going to jump into 2022 predictions. Cause I think it's important. I mean, the new year's upon us. And if anything shows you, I mean, we can't predict what happens, but we can at least hope to have some ideas on what might happen. It's true. All right. What do you want to jump into first here, Nate? What trend do you want to bring up first? Or I can bring up a trend first too, because we got a bunch of trends to go through. We do have a bunch of trends. You choose one. I'll choose one. All right. I'm going to go with the first trend, and I think I'm going to bring up the grading trend of this year because this was one of, I think, our most engaged subjects throughout the entire year. Whenever we put up a post on Instagram about a grading change, whether it was PSA suspending services, um, SGC doubling their price and dropping it quite soon after that, actually, or PSA reintroducing grading as of yesterday now at $100 per card with no limit on the capacity, which is crazy. Um, we'll see how that plays out in 2022. Just whenever something came up about grading, I guarantee you there's like 100 or more comments. And it was just like every single time. So grading to me was a huge trend in 2021, how it changed, how it was before, how cards take forever to get back from some companies, how SGC, in my eyes, at the beginning of the year, I mean, I made this very clear through our different YouTube videos, Instagram posts. I was like, oh, why are they doubling their prices when they have a chance to take such a big marketplace uh, or, or size of the market when PSA suspended? Then they switched it, dropped the prices. I think they've been doing outstanding recently. Of course, we're partners with them, but for a reason right there. Um, and the most engaged post out of all of these was when PSA did like double their prices on their higher end services and then also suspend their lower, lower services. Um, that, that was quite the, the craziness right there back in March of 2021, but grading in general is going to have a big place in the market in 2022. I'm just intrigued to see what happens. It's unpredictable how PSA run, you know, how they've been running their business. And to me, the, the biggest trend has been how consumers are grading and how they feel about grading and where they go, how long their cards are outstanding for as of today, Nate on Thursday, the 30th, our cards that we submitted last year still are not back. We don't even know the grades yet. Um, from PSA, we had you know probably 200 plus combined there, uh, and Nate does not want his back. Shout out Kyle Lewis. Shout out Gavin Lux. 17 of my uh, 51 cards that are going to pop from this one sub are Kyle Lewis and Gavin Lux. Brutal. Brutal yeah, depressing. depressing. All right, you go. Um, well, one of my top trends is Formula One. So obviously, we saw Topps Chrome blow up. Topps Chrome Sapphire blow up for Formula One. A uh, little Netflix. It seemed like every Saturday or Sunday, uh, I'd jump on Twitter and people were freaking out about either the um, what's the thing they do on Saturday? They the do placement? the uh, qualifying round. 
qualifying and then people would be freaking about the out about the race every Sunday. Um, so many people I never thought would watch Formula One watching Formula One, including Aaron, though I guess you guys grew up watching a little NASCAR, so mm-hmm. kind of up your alley. Yeah. Um, you guys were into weird sports, weren't you? NASCAR, hockey? We were. Ever, we heard, were. Of, ever heard of baseball? Basketball? <laughs> Yeesh. <No. laughs> but, but anyways, I digress. Formula One was hot this year, one of the top trending cards um, sets of the year. And I found something interesting. Back on April 25th, you made a post about Lewis Hamilton. And one of the cards in there was a Topps Dynasty um, patch auto number to 10 with a nice patch PSA 9. And it sold for 17500 Well, you fast forward to December 12th, um, a good like eight months later, and you had another post about Lewis Hamilton, another Topps Dynasty um, auto patch out of 10. And this one sold for $22,222. Um, so a good like $5,000 raise. But this was a BGS 9 with no subgrades and a worse patch, which means I imagine that that PSA 9 probably goes for at least like twenty four grand, if not or more. more. Nate, I would say it's at least a few thousand dollars more for a PSA 9 with a better patch. I mean, that PSA label does wonders on very important on-card patch autos like that. Um, imagine... I know this is different grades, PSA 10 versus BGS 9.5, but the Luca PSA 10 RPA goes for like 800 grand or just sold for like 800 grand. And then the 9.5 recently sold for like 300 to 350. Um, now that is like very different in price because of the difference from PSA 10 and BGS 9.5, but there's still a sizable gap between a PSA 9 and BGS 9 in a card like this. And BGS especially a BGS 9 with no subgrades. Yeah, no subgrades too. And I would venture to say, and I think a lot of people agree with me out there that BGS grades thicker cards easier than PSA does too. I mean, I got it, dude. I got a PSA six in my NT uh messy gold out of ten. Now that was the time when they were just reintroducing the grading, the expensive grading. I think they were very of, strict. Yeah, they were so strict. I mean, I remember I got a sub back where I knew I, like these cards would have 10 today. And they're getting eights, and it's just crazy. But yeah, I got a six on that thick card. It's tough to grade thick cards there. Yeah, so that I I thought that was very interesting because what are the you know there's a lot of times where you do not post the same card twice in a year, um, especially something as rare as a Topps Dynasty card, and so this was a nice little like hey we can look back and see exactly what this costs and this costs and clearly Formula One I don't know if it takes the cake for the most popular sport but it's got to be pretty close. It's for the for most popular sport for um. What word am I looking for? Increases in the market. Okay. You're, you're saying like top trending because like clearly there's a difference between percent increase and overall like market value. Correct. Formula One isn't even close to any of these others because there's so few cards and there's so few racers um, or drivers. I should say that sounded a little weird. Um, but I will also point out that purple that sold back then for 1400 that was raw, right? 1300 uh, yep. 1300 Recently, right before the last race where Lewis did lose, my dad had a BGS 9, which was numbered 1 out of 399. And that sold, I think, for like near 25, 2600 on eBay as a BGS 9. Oh, wow. Now, these cards are very tough to grade. And actually, those cards did drop after that. You know, after that initial post, Nate, that was like right when the stuff dropped. It was super hot. First Formula One tops products ever, like pack pulled Chrome and Dynasty and stuff. Those cards did drop after that a bit. And then they rebounded heavy. The numbered stuff went insane. The base stuff didn't really bounce back at all. I mean, but that's just 
is the same with the market in general right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a crazy trend and I, it's been very fun watching the races and I know a lot of people get in and collect it. I know a lot of people that go really heavy in it. The big players are really big in formula one. Yeah. It makes sense. I I don't think anybody's buying back of the pack. Uh, I don't even know their names. I've watched a little bit of formula one drive to survive, but I can't remember their names. Yeah. I mean, some people do scoop them up, you know, who want to get in cheap, but it, it's hard to envision those guys gaining a ton of value unless they moved to a new team and then have a better car. And like George Russell. And then, yep, exactly. So he's on a terrible team, but goes to Mercedes and stuff goes like crazy. All right. Next trend for me. I think it's just going to be the, I don't know how to best word this the manufacturing and quality control trend of 2021. And the post I'm going to use to support this is going to be the 2020 select football, Mike Vrabel situation. It's not just Mike Vrabel. It's literally the entire product. Plus all the parallels that came out this year for retail select and also even hobby select had a lot of different ones too. Um, This year we saw unlike any other year, more cards printed. I'd say over all the sports, all the different uh, card types, brands, parallels, variations, everything. And it's a very easy thing to display when you have a coach card with die cuts and like 40 parallels of that card from 2020 select football. And they introduced select retail this year. And I think it really did water down the uh, prestigious effect of select in the market. However, I will still say it's a big brand. I mean, you can't sell all that retail if it's not a big brand. If you introduce your luminance or your illusions as retail, that stuff doesn't really get picked up that much. I mean, sure, people will buy it probably for a cheap rip or or whatever it might be. Um, but but you really need a big brand to carry that much retail product, and it did. And there's just a lot out there. And we'll also add in this is I don't want to just like rip on Panini because Tops had their own issues too with the F1 back edge chipping the the Tops Chrome Champions League and Bundesliga back edge chipping. Um, but all the manufacturers, or at least between Panini and Tops this year. I felt this was one of the worst quality control years of all time. Um, I've been opening packs since 2008 regularly, and I've never seen a, a year that just has so many issues with different products at such high prices. That's the other thing, too. Nate, you go to Target, you open a $3 pack. One of your cards has some ding corners or maybe some surface blemishes that are like pretty prominent, and it's like, mm, spend $3. Yeah, You buy a $450 box, and all of the cards that are numbered have chips on the back. How does it make you feel? You know, like, and, and the other thing too, is it's like, they can't do anything about it. They release the product. It's not like they're going to recall the product or like refund your money. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the quality control is so poor between tops and Panini, because I think of how much they're trying to print and get out the door. And it's not just damaging too. I mean, you saw cards that had wrong patches with wrong players. Now it's happened in the past too. Wrong autographs on the wrong players. A Ronaldo card that has a Chicharito auto on it. Like imagine pulling a Ronaldo. Supposedly it's supposed to be auto, but it comes with a guy who's playing the MLS's auto. I'm not saying. I mean, I know he's plays for Mexico and stuff, but um, that's just not the same thing. Yeah. And I will say, Panini did make it good, and they did replace the card. They put the Ronaldo auto on it. I think that that's how the story ended, but. Still, quality control is a big trend for me this year, and I really hope that maybe in this upcoming year we see something change. Um, I don't know how other people went about quality control, but for me, the last I bought a box of 2020 Bowman base or 2021 Bowman baseball, no, no auto. Tried a second box, 2021 Bowman, auto was scratched as can be. Yeah, 
from there, from there, it's I'm done with 2021 Bowman. I will never touch it again. I will never buy another pack, no matter who's in it. And I would never suggest we have it for breaks or buy into a break or anything like that. Um, so I don't know how other people react to poor stuff like that. But if we all just stopped buying it, I think they get the message pretty quick. Can you let me go back to back here and take yeah. a second one? Because one of my other trends I put in here, which I actually don't know if it's in the trends category on our uh, little sheet here, but it was Prism first off the line 2020. Um, this was the first Prism product that dropped in nearly a year and a half because of COVID pushing back release dates. They, they pushed it very far back, almost to the end of the season, of the NBA season, uh, or at least the regular season for 2020 Prism first off the line. And they launched this, I want to say it's like $4,500 a box at the starting bid for the Dutch auction. Now, if I can find it in the note sheet here, I'd be able to tell you exactly what it started at. Oh, there it is. It's in the tough scene section. That's why. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's starting bid of $4,500 on the Dutch auction with the floor of $2,000. This was the first time I've ever seen a product hit the floor, a premium product hit the floor, I should say, like Prism. And it did. It hit the $2,000 floor. And that, in my mind, was a big deal. Nate just said, um, what do you say about Bowman? He said, we shouldn't buy it or whatever, and maybe it changes how they go about the business, whatever. But that was a huge statement, I think, for 2020 Prism first off the line to hit the floor. And I think it really showed Panini, like, hey, we can't just go out there and demand any price we want. Now, $2,000 was still a lot, and they did start to sell for below that on eBay after that. I know because we bought some boxes, um, and I probably fell into the trap just like others about the excitement of the first prism set for multiple years and just want to make sure we could get our hands on some of it and it did pay higher than 2000 on a few of the boxes um and lost some money through it but you live and learn and i'd say this was the the biggest time i've seen collectors and buyers and breakers whoever really just go like hey panini we're not paying those ridiculous prices um because I used to buy prism at first up the line for 120 retail <laughs> but obviously we can't have that but still, 2000 for the most produced Prism set ever. That's a lot. My last trend for 20, 2021, I figured I'd let you cover the... Uh... The big boy? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> My last trend is people getting smart. So uh, for a while there, in a lot of 2020, people came into the hobby. The easiest thing to understand was base cards and PSA 10s. And so you saw base PSA 10s spike, spike, spike. Um, and if you look, I grabbed a Topps Chrome LeBron, uh, Prism Silver Patrick Mahomes PSA 10, PSA 10 for LeBron 2 um, rookies, and then Mike Trout 2011 Topps Update PSA 10. And you'll notice that all of these guys spiked around like February and then dropped way, way off. Uh, and from January 1st through the 28th, I think, when I got these prices. LeBron has dropped 37%. Patrick Mahomes has dropped 15.5%. And Trout actually is up just under a percentage point. But from his high, he is down. And I just think that's people becoming smarter, being like, I'm going to sell that on my base and buy numbered, um, which I agree with completely. I think numbered is the way to go. Aaron thinks numbered is the way to go. And if you're stuck on base, you know, maybe it's just now is the time to sell, especially with people's orders of like 10 Kyle Lewis's coming back and seven Gavin Lux's. Um, get out of those base cards while you can and buy something that has a little oomph to it. 
Yeah, and the best thing to keep in mind, and this goes back to our six-month forecast that we did in like March, which was supposed to lead up to the national. Um, maybe we did in February too. We we actually said the exact same things here. Um, numbered way to go, short print case hits like way to go. But in reality, if you did have base cards at that moment, I wasn't trying to like, you know, there's something about where you want someone to make sure that they're doing it because they believe in it versus just like hearing us just talk about because it it's what we believe in. So I was like, hey, like, you don't have to listen to me. You don't have to take my word, whatever. But just make sure you believe in if you're doing it. I said, now it's probably the time to sell those cards and move into something else, even if you're losing money on them at the moment. Because $500 in something that has a chance to go up in value is always better than $500 in something that's just going to keep decreasing in value. There's just no way around yep. it. I've cut losses more than I can say on many different things. I've lost a lot of money on many different things. But most of the time, I'd say that whatever I went and bought right after that, because I learned something with the card I lost money on has made more money than what I lost in the previous card. Um, yeah. Cutting losses is never fun. It feels like you're just throwing away money, but if you have a better chance of taking $500, even if you spent seven fifty on it and actually making money worth, I, it. I would even go out there and say $2,000. If you bought, let's just say something like an Anthony Davis prison PSA 10 for 2000. And this is a perfect time to bring this up. I just posted this like right now on Instagram. Um, about the Davis that dropped 82% in, in 2021 from like $2,350 to 434 Imagine selling that Davis for 434 buying a card, maybe a raw card if you can find one in good condition. Obviously, it's always a risk, but you never know, of a younger player, a serial number. It has a chance to go up in value, and you hit even a 9 or 10 on that, hold it for six months to a year. You might be selling for $2,000 if you pick the right player. True. They make up all that money right there. Yep. And I don't see that Anthony Davis going back to two thousand dollars. So, no, that's no that's base card. I, no base card, unless you are the cream of the crop. And if and if it's like pre two thousand and twelve, two thousand thirteen, yeah. you know, Giannis and before probably, I'd say, is your best chance at something like that. Unless we're talking Patrick Mahomes, apparently. Yeah, but keep in mind that's a that's a very tough to grade card too. That's true. And Mahomes is Mahomes. So and I've got a lot of different trends <laughs> over here. Yeah, and it's the whole silver, not silver thing. Um, I don't know. So I got some other trends in here, and I think that the the best one to bring up is you know we we had a YouTube live show. I should say this right now on Monday, where we covered all the different growing categories in sports cards in 2021 and put data behind it. I recommend going and listening to that. Um, if after this episode, of course, if you want to hear about more trends in the marketplaces, we did cover a lot. We don't want to spend too much time today on the actual data trends. Uh, two more things to bring up because like, you know, Marvel PMGs, we broke that down heavily in the Monday live. So we'll keep that over there. Um, two things is that this these are both kind of newsworthy and not really like a sports card trend. Um, the first one is going to be the two biggest cards that are produced in 2020, either 2019, 2020 National Treasures, but that was released in 2020 or that, that might, no, that was released in 2020. And then also 2020 Bowman. Um both the two biggest one of ones out of those products, I would also argue Nate Wood too, Bobby Wood Jr. Probably going to be a bigger car than Jason Dominguez in the future. But keep in mind, people pay insane prices for that name. Uh, yep. Jason Dominguez, Superfractor Auto one of one, and Zion Williamson, Logoman one of one patch auto were both pulled within like a one month span. Dominguez as soon as a few days ago on Monday. Um, and we didn't we did talk about it in the live stream because someone brought it up in there. But those two cards being pulled in 2021. 
And both of them, you know, Zion rumored to sell for over a million dollars, which I'm sure it did if it was sold. And the Jason Dominguez, now it's a PSA 10. We can guess some price all day. I'm venturing to say this is going to sell over 150 grand. You never know if you get three bidders that really want this card. What happens to it? Too. I, I feel like there's no way, knowing what I know about people, that it goes under 200. I would I would venture to say the same. I think it's actually in silver three hundred, but sometimes you just want to be on the safe side. So I think I think people there's they, they there's going to be a couple guys that a are Yankee fans, b n- know Jason Dominguez for being the Martian and don't care about his stats last year and just look at it like the gamble of two hundred fifty grand is worth the million dollar payoff potentially later or the loss of two hundred grand. Not to mention that there's. Uh, a lot of very rich people out there. There are. And imagine you owning, you get the chance to own the Jason Dominguez, and if he comes becomes anything major with the Yankees, you're going to look back and say 250 grand was nothing. Right. I agree on that. I agree on that. Uh, so, yeah, so those two cards pulled in 2021, I think, prove more than anything that the prospect market is very much still a thing. You know, we're comparing on Monday, Joe Burrow and TRPAs to imagine LeBron PSA 10 refractor rookies number out of 300. Like to even compare that shows more than ever that people are still betting on the next big thing, no matter what it is. Um, and of course, it's scaled down from there. People still bet on guys like Cam Reddish, <laughs> myself included, and did well in a sale. But even as much as a silver PSA 10 is going up in price recently, now that he was starting with some of the COVID uh, issues. So people still love to do their prospecting. It really doesn't matter um, that base cards might be dead. They'll find the next thing to buy. Yep. All right. Last trend, which is more a news thing. And I can't, we can't go without saying this in this episode. Uh, one of the biggest events of the year was fanatics taking over the licensing rights to the NFL, MLB and NBA come a variant amount of years, 2023 to 2025, depending on the sport, I believe. And that's a huge deal. Like it's such a big deal. Like to think if they don't actually acquire tops or their brands, that there'd be no more tops rookie cars or no more Bowman Chrome autos with logos on it. Who knows what tops is able to pursue if they can strike some sort of other deal. But I think that they were also exclusive MLBPA deals too. So we're not getting to produce any players on there. Yeah, just um, retired players. Yeah, I guess for a lot of Derek Jeter cards and suits. Yeah, so it's Miami Marlins, whatever he is, president of operations. (laughs) That'd be funny. Um, But there's there's not much to 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 go off of right now. There there's been rumblings of what Fanatics wants to do between Josh Luber, you know, putting out his big essay and appearing on some uh, podcasts and this and that. Uh, Michael Rubin, of course, is the owner of Fanatics, and and it, it was big in pursuing that deal. But just know that change is coming. Um, how? <laughs> There's just so many guesses we can put forth, but it's it's not worth you know speculating on too much until we know because who knows when this stuff starts to happen. All I know is that things will change, probably in a big way if this does you know come to fruition as much as people are thinking. And there's going to be a lot of centralization of sports consumer activities. Sports card consumer activities, but also sports consumer activities, I'm sure, too. Any thoughts, Nate? Not really. I, I'm kind of in a wait and see. 
Yeah. You know, and, I don't really have any answers until it happens. Yeah. I just want to make sure we point out because that, that will be some of the biggest, I'd say, things to come in 2022. 2022. 2022. It's a lot of twos. And 2023 will be this fanatics. Um, how is it going to change the market? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Sometimes change is a good thing. We'll just have to see. I don't want to make any uh, swooping statements until we know more. All right. So uh, next section, record sales. You want to dive into some record sales there, Aaron? Yes, sir. There's some huge ones this year. Yes. Uh, actually, the hugest. The hugest. That's huge. The biggest sales ever happened in 2021 for the sports card market. Um, starting out, we had a Luka Doncic in February, February 28th specifically. Shout out my sister and my grandpa both their birthdays um sold ntrpa logo man 101 four million six hundred thousand dollars that's a lot it's a lot that's of a money lot. that's a lot of money for a guy that hasn't really done anything now people are going to be upset because they're going to say but you just chose luca over kobe bryant but i was choosing a first year card over a 16th year card not luca over kobe and uh i would never spend if i had the problem of getting to spend four million six hundred thousand dollars you better believe I wouldn't spend it on Luca. Um, <laughs> and then we had a Wayne Gretzky, uh, PSA 10 of the OPG Wayne Gretzky, sell for $3,750,000 on May 27th. That seems like an absurd sale. I got to imagine lot. there's at least a few PSA 10s out there. There's two. Oh. There's two. Not as absurd. No, it's, it's, it's a super rare card. <laughs> Not as absurd. Um, we had Mickey Mantle, actually our first one of the year, our first big sale and our record-setting sale. Janu January 14th, this card sold for his his Mickey Mantle. Um, what what was the grade on it? PSA, PSA 9? 9. PSA 9 sold for $5,200,000, uh, which was a record at the time, but it has been matched by a LeBron exquisite BGS 9 that sold for five million two hundred thousand dollars on april 26th that was the rpa of 23 also the one that is numbered out of his jersey number recently had the jersey number 23 of 99 sell to shine 150 on instagram but that was like two and a half million uh for the jersey number rpa i think it was like a bgs 8.5 or bgs 9 a lot of people said that was one of the biggest high-end steals of the year which could be true given it's the only one that's 23 of 99 i will point out nate you did forget a big one on this. I know you have more to go over, but you forgot the biggest. The biggest one? Yeah. What, Patrick Mahomes? No. <laughs> Honus Wagner, the oh. uh, SGC3. That sold for $6.6 .6 You're right. I did miss that. Oops. <laughs> uh, oops. Oops. Yes, Honus Wagner. Okay. The record-setting card. Missed it completely. How much? 6.6? .6? Yeah, I'm scrolling back right now, but I'm like 99. It was for sure in the, in the 6 range. I think it was 6.6, .6, but you can keep covering other sales, and then I'm going to get the exact number. So we had a Patrick Mahomes NT uh, Logo Shield um, BGS 8.5. That sold on July 28th for $4,300,000, so a ton of Four, uh, three, four, five million dollar cards, even six million dollar cards. Um, as for the steal for the multiple, multiple million, two and a half million, I do question how many people are really out there spending multiple millions on cards. You think there's more than like 
five to ten people? And if so, is it really a steal if somebody is just like, I don't want to buy that right now? Yeah, I, I mean, it's all about who's bidding on what day, right? Yeah. Because if, if you have a handful of people and half of them don't show up, you don't get that record setter. Also, that Honus Reiner did sell for 6.6. 6.6, goodness gracious. Um, A couple other things I wanted to point out. Obviously, the Spider-Man that sold for 72000 from our buddy Dave. Um, big record setter for uh, Marvel cards. We also had Jay-Z Signs of Stardom uh, BGS9 that sold for $105,000 on March 20th. Um, just kind of an interesting sale. Not Maybe not a record setter, but uh, you're getting into non-sports cards, but having major, major prices. I mean, $72,000 for a Marvel card and $105,000 for Jay-Z. Autographed, yes, but still insane. And then one last thing, definitely that, not a record. That a, wait, that was a Super Fractor one of one right? Yes. Uh, sorry, I should probably mention those. And then one last thing I wanted to mention, just because I think it's kind of funny um, nowadays. Not a record setter by any means, but we had a post about Justin Herbert and his contenders. Uh, one of one Super Bowl ticket, one of one BGS nine selling for one hundred and fifty-seven thousand. Or, um, and this post was on March twentieth. I don't know when the sales sale dates were. Or very, very close to then. Optic. Uh, Optic Super Fractor Auto number one, but PSA seven sold for twenty thousand dollars. So a PSA seven to a BGS nine, I would argue that I'd rather have the optic than the contenders. But I know people in football love, love, love their contenders. But the fact that you could get a Justin Herbert card at any point, a Super Fractor at any point for twenty thousand after the year he's had, I gotta imagine that card is more expensive now. For the Panini purists out there, they're gonna say, Nate, that's gold vinyl. Yeah, fair. And they're also going to say that idiot chose an optic over contenders. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big price difference, though, too. Yeah, it's eight times. The, I remember the I contenders remember people, went eight times as much. Yeah, people were uh, going pretty crazy over that one when we posted that one up. I, 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 if I had twenty thousand dollars to spend, I'd rather I would have bought that PSA seven all day long and then cracked it, resent it in because maybe that was when PSA was really great and tough. Yeah, yeah, you never know, I guess, right? With how subject uh, subjective gradients at times. Mm -hmm. Is that all we got for big sales? That's all we got for big sales. They're, well, they were big. They are big. That I think that it was something like 20 of the top 25 selling cards of all time occurred in 2021. So it was, I, I don't quote me on the exact number, but something around that. Something crazy big. So the, the low-end market might be dying off, the base, PSA 9, PSA 10 craze, but uh, high-end going strong still. Going big, going strong. Uh, not only was high-end going big and going strong in 2021, card shows were going big and going strong in 2021. As stuff started to reopen, many card shows sprung onto the scene. I remember for the first time at the end of 2020, there was like a Dallas show that occurred in November where people were actually traveling to go to it. But really in 2021 is when the card show craze came about. And I'd venture to say that the card show craze also led to a lot of the very uncommon, sorry, the very common cards dropping, excuse me, in value via eBay or even at the card shows themselves. Because when you go to a show and you see 100 different John Moran prism-based PSA 9s or 10s, what's going to make you want to even buy that at all? Correct. Like nothing other than maybe if one was like half the price of the other. Yeah. 
it, it was actually super eye-opening. Um, you see them, especially us, when we do our links every day for our uh, email newsletters. You see these cards, but you don't really think about it because you just see it, see it, see it, and you don't really see it in person. So it's almost like it doesn't exist. And then you go to a show, and every single person, Trey Young, Prism, PSA 10, Luka Doncic, Prism, PSA 10, Lamar Jackson, Prism, PSA 10 or 9, and you're like, oh. I mean, if everyone has these, why would I? Why would you want it? I I mean, I totally agree with that. I can't tell you the amount of times I saw Zions and Jaws and Lucas and Trays and even in, in baseball. Nate, wasn't there a couple of booths that had just like hundreds of you know, Juan Soto's and Ronald Acuna's yeah. and pieces? And, yeah. So it, the, uh, I would say like the combination of that from people actually going to the shows, and then also the fact that people are spending less money on eBay, which was at the time, you know the the be all end all for pricing. Of course, now you've got PWCC's marketplace, you got cards selling through gold and you got all these different places that cards are selling now. So it's a little bit more diverse, the the sales data, but um, yeah, that, that definitely led to the, the common market, uh, the common cards dropping in value. And on top of that, the vast amount of PSA cards that were coming back graded uh, that people sent out. And then when they have that big bill, like Nate's going to have um, or had already had for their cards at PSA, you're ready to just fire yourself. You're ready to get that money back. You know, cut like cut your losses like we talked about. Nate, I'm sure you're going to do that. Sell all those somewhere or another. Um, well, actually, you know what? I'm kind of torn. I feel like some of them are so stinking cheap. Maybe I just wait till the season and see if Kyle Lewis does good. Yeah, I mean, even just waiting until some of the prices might go up with the season rolling around in general. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so card shows. Card shows came. And the first one that we actually got to go to, I went to a Slab Stock Sam. Uh, was in February 2021. We went to the courtside card show number three. We helped uh, promote that event with uh, Anthony, great guy down in Florida. Uh, summertime cards on Instagram, if you're not aware of who Anthony is. And that show was fun. I mean, that was the first show I was able to go to since all the shows shut down. And we'll tell you, that show was packed. Um, there's a lot of people ready to get to shows. Of course, at that point, vaccines weren't even out for the majority of people yet. And uh, that that was an interesting scenario there you know it's an interesting feeling going to, going to place all those people i'd say the place i went with a lot of people for the first time since covid started mm-hmm. and card shows quickly started to pop up everywhere after that you had the dallas shows which are kind of like the first on the scene because of i'm sure the lesser restrictions in places like texas um at that time and then from there nate how many different regional shows popped up oh I, I I felt like I felt like I was hearing about a different regional show from somebody all the time. Shows in Boston, shows in Washington, shows in Wisconsin. Yep. Uh, even even like and those are like major shows. Um, shows in the Staples Center or whatever or crypto crypto center. Uh, and now you get uh, or in Madison Square Garden, and now you're getting like, hey, we've got this little show in this bowling alley, and you know those always were around, but now it's like more often where there's always like in milwaukee there's a show every single month that never used to happen i don't think um so it, it, cool it, to that would happen there's gonna gonzaga show like every month in milwaukee oh, but okay. i'm talking more so like you know those big ones like the boston's that pop up um that are getting promoted on social media vegas all these different ones like that that never used to happen i can tell you that much and and now i wonder i wonder if there's too many and we've had that discussion before too. Um, very possible, very possible. 
So went to Miami twice, went to also the court chart, courtside card show number four. That was in May. Nate joined myself at that one with Vincent that you've seen some of our content recently. And then also Sam was there too. And of course, all at all these, my dad was traveling with myself recording all these. Um, th- that was that was fun. That was fun to get back out there as the full team. That was the first time really since the national, I think, right, Nate? In yeah. 2019. Yeah, it'd been a year and a half. Yeah. A year and a half yeah. since we'd last been anywhere. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. And then uh from there we we also went to Dallas. I went in March for my first Dallas show, and then we went as a team in May. Uh Nate, what was the vibe like for you at Dallas versus like a Miami? Well, Miami was very the cards were out of my price range, mostly. So like for me, Miami was it was nice. It was a nice area. It was cool to be in Miami. It was cool to see stay in downtown Miami and see some of the cars that would drive past and stuff that you don't get to see in Wisconsin. But for the most part, uh, I wasn't <laughs> not that I wa- didn't want to spend money. I didn't even have an option to spend money most of the time, um, whether it be overpriced cards or, you know, that I could could spend on or just cards that are just way too expensive. So Dallas was a nice breath of fresh air because I found plenty of cards, uh, including my boy Noel V. Marte, um, for good deals. So Dallas for me uh, was a bit more exciting, um, though the the area in Miami was significantly better. Oh, yeah. Dallas had bigger show, lots of selection, but you don't go anywhere other than that hotel. And the convention center is attached to the hotel. Miami was a much better trip, but Dallas did a lot more deals came out of. Um, did some selling in Miami, but at Dallas, I remember that May show was when I did trade my Ronaldo, which was the biggest trade I've ever done. And uh, from there, I ended up trading some of those Mbappes, regrading some of them, and it went pretty well. So that was good to see. But then that led us into the Dells, which we in May we did. I did three shows in, in May. Nate, did you no? Nate did yep. two. You did I all did those all two. Three. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember we had back to back weekends. May was brutal. Yeah, it was like Miami, and then a weekend off, and then it was Dallas and the Dells back to back weekends, and we set up at the Dells, and that was. I remember at the end of the Dells, that first Dells show in May was very fun. We saw a lot of people there. I got to do some sales, some trades, but that was like the moment of realization. Like, whoa, we can't do this all the time. <laughs> It's, I, was, I, I give major props major major props to the people that show up to all of the shows i don't know how you do it i like being home i'm a homebody and not being home is like the worst thing in the world i i wouldn't say it's the worst thing in the world for myself all i know is i was tired i was dead by the end of that dollar show i was like holy cow i don't know how many times i can do this um it was a it was fun though and it was worth it and the guys are great that set that one up and then that took us all the way to the national, though. We did take the pretty much the summer off from doing the other shows, June and July. I suppose in reality, it was just June because the end of yeah. July comes and July was all prepped for the national, um, the biggest event of the year for sports card collectors. It's just you can't compare to it, no matter how many cool destinations you can go to, um, which there are cool ones out there like Miami and Tampa. Tampa was unreal. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, but there's nothing that compares to the national the amount of people. The vibe, the amount of days, what goes on there, the deals, everything. And for uh, myself specifically, or even I would say like going to the, like going to Chicago, Nate, there's a feeling about going there for the national. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. And just exciting. You know, you're going to eat deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you're going to see a lot of friends. Um, shout out to all the people we, we met there and talked to. I mean, there's so many people that I just can't name them all. But notably, and I mean, going back to 2019, I, I really the National Lots like meeting up with Lou, you know, from, from 137 and VaynerMedia. Uh, that's just a fun time for us, you know, being able to do that because we can't do that all the time. And, and this year had a whole different meeting though for the national than any other year for myself. That was about the sixth national I've done, the second setting up at. Uh, but this year at a whole different meeting because of the Camp Kesem charity night. So, you know, take it back to the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, when our audience, you know, started donating a little bit of money to a charity of my choice with Camp Kesem. A lot of you have heard the story, uh, you know, by his involved in college and it helps out kids whose parents have or had cancer, sends them to camp for free for a week. Uh, with college counselors and it's a really big deal for the kids and i want to you know help out through slab stocks and people want to help out through slab stocks which was insane which is actually what got me to want to do it even more and uh you know raised a thousand dollars through the first part of like january of 2021 then we're like hey let's do a, a night at the national let's host a charity night and uh it just exploded in july from july 1 when i announced you know the six different individuals or companies that got involved a uh, shout out to the first six which was pwcc it was Loop, it was um, StockX, it was Jamil at the Millie Pop Shop, Ryan Card Collector 2, and Patrick Ryan. Those were the first six that, step, that stepped up to help out. Uh, that ended up turning into 60-plus sponsors, $100,000 plus in product donated. Um, Shine 150 and Woot Woot 72, or 72 Woot Woot 72, Nick, uh, they combined to send a Giannis Prism Green Rookie PSA 10 that sold for 17 grand around there. Like, that's just insane. Uh, Damien Oliveira, who's got the massive Messi collection, sent in a, a five-figure Messi. Um, that see that type of stuff like coming and actually hit my hands, knowing I never like spent a dime to actually hold on to that, but I know it's going to a great cause is insane. Uh, it, it's just wild, and it really shows what the power of the sports car community can do. Because uh, by the end of that national trip, it was one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars donated to Camp Kesem. You know that that's just an incredible amount of money that came about in one month because of all of you guys and not only the people that donated, but the people that spent the money because with getting stuff donated, all that stuff had to be sold, right? Like there's no way if we took that all in, but had zero buyers, that's no money for Kesem. Um, that's just a bunch of sports cards that to most of the world mean nothing, but to all of us, it means a lot obviously. And to convert all those cards into all that cash where the kids was just as something I've never experienced before. And, We'll never get that first time, you know, feeling again. But I will say it really did light the fire in 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 general. I think with not just us, but with many out there to open the eyes, like, hey, this is more than just cards and the people that are in cards. This can go beyond cards. You know, a lot of those kids might have touched cards in their lives at that point. I mean, it's hard to be a kid and not touch a baseball card at one time or another. But you don't really understand as a kid, or even the maybe the families too, like what these things can do outside of just ripping some packs as a kid and clearly it can do a lot and uh you know coming with an idea and then executing it was a whole different story that was about the the most stressful month of my life um between lining all that up and you know i had so much help from my parents and and our team in total and and everyone else who wanted to help promote it anyways and it was it was quite uh quite the event and quite the eye-opening experience and i'll never forget it for sure as most memorable thing i think of my life of the entire year for sure yeah that was uh just the whole night being online people supporting bidding from all over pwcc guys showing up uh 
good buddies of ours showing up. People we'd never met before still showing up. Um, meant a lot. Meant a lot. Yeah. And a ton of kids. A ton of kids oh. get to go to camp. Probably next year, though. I think they canceled the camp this year. So, yeah. So, the, the camp, this was the second year in a row. They, they, they just hosted some virtual events for the kids. But, yep, all of it's going to go to sending the kids to camp next year, which is fun because I know, obviously, as you know, people hear me say going to you know help kids go to camp for free. A lot of it is just you know pictures you might have seen that I've, that I've posted or stuff you see online, and it'll be a whole different experience because I am gonna try. You know, I sh- I will be going to the camp in 2022, and I want to see you know how I can help share their story um, through all the money that you all helped us raise for the kids. So I think it's gonna be a whole different ball game once people can actually see where that money goes versus just believing, which is incredible in its own right. I mean, I would hop on the phone with people I knew. Or people I didn't even know. There's even people I didn't even know before this. You know, there were people you've never talked to in your entire life. I've, I've never talked to Jim. The product, Jim from Midwest Cards, amazing guy, and his team's awesome. I've never even talked to him or heard of them. And the guy emails me and sends us ten grand with a product. Yeah. Kyle and Kevin from ATL Cards sends us seven grand in pride. Never even knew who they were. Who were who they were before that? Um, I think the the biggest thing is that when you get something like cards kids and then also cancer which impacts a ton of people around the world and america and not just because they might have it but someone that they knew had it or someone their parents had you know like if y'all haven't seen it go back and watch a video we posted that recap that night you can we in, you know people are interviewed talking about why they were actually there and it's just like the perfect merge of everything combined that people love and want to help out with and and it's incredible and you know, I hope that 2022 brings the same fortunes for Kessim and for, for the charity work that we can hopefully execute on. Um, you know, I know that next that next year's Atlantic City. I know it's going to be a completely different ball game. I know that we're not going to execute it the same way. We've learned a lot this year. We're going to do something big. It's just not going to be the same way. But we hope that you know so much money can be raised again. But if it's not 125 grand, it's not. And and I'm just I'm so grateful that it was at that moment. And I hope that we can do it again and maybe even do it bigger. But We'll just have to see, you know, what 2022 brings. Um, but just because I'm talking about it right now, I'll also say we did do another, you know, kind of like end of the year wrap up for for Kessim. Thanks so much to SGC and whatnot. I mean, without them, that would have been impossible and all the people buying whatnot. But we did another $12,000 in one night in like an hour and a half. And I raised the money within like a week to to get it to, to go to Tampa, Florida at Jamila's Collectors Con and go buy SGC slabs and raw cards for the kids and then sell them on whatnot and get the fees waived and everything. We had a $7,000 card budget, but that $7,000 card budget plus $2,400 in free grading through SGC turned into 12 grand. I mean, it speaks a little bit to the people at the show who sold me cards on deals. Shout out to everyone at the show who gave me a good deal on this stuff for the kids. Shout out to SGC for throwing the free grading and shout out to all the people spending money for the kids. I mean, that ended up, I think putting our year at, I have it here in the slideshow. Um, I think it put the year at $139,000, for Camp Kessim at the end of the year now. And that's actually probably right over that 139000 because I still need to donate like 80 bucks from that night uh, that came in afterwards. So that's just insane. Insane. I think that's a good segue into the Tampa show you want to. That is. Um, Tampa show. Tampa show – which we did just skip over a couple and we'll That's okay. very briefly. Um, Tampa show is great. I've never been to, to Tampa for a show. Jamil put on an amazing show. I mean, I actually Jamil, I know he's done. What was the name of the show? Uh, as a collector's con. 
in Tampa, Florida, and they did one earlier in the year that I wasn't able to go to. I think it's in June. And then we went to the one in, um, or I went to the one in, in, in November, nope, December with my dad. And the area was beautiful, man. It's right next to the Tampa Bay lightning arenas, right on like the Bay. It was insane. Super nice. I'd recommend going if you want to make some sort of like family Florida outing, if you want to go to the next one, I don't know when it is. That was very fun and broke a 2008 Topps Chrome box there too with whatnot. That was awesome. That's one of my favorite products ever. And then the other shows that occurred was my dad and I went to Vegas, which was really cool going to Vegas for the first time. And not only for the show, which I got some cool soccer cards, but also um, for the atmosphere. I've never been down there. I could not spend more than a, a night there or two nights there probably. It's just crazy. Um, I just can't can't do that. But but it, it was very fun the one night we did have going to the casinos. And then uh, also we went to the Chicago Sports Spectacular twice. The first one was rescheduled from June because it got canceled for COVID. And then they wanted to reschedule it. So they put in September after the National. But it's like a hybrid show when there's not that many vendors there. It was so tiny. But I'll tell you this, the tiny show paid off because I hit some insane cards there that end up getting great. And the Mason Greenwood Raw that my dad's like, hey, look at this color blast. Got it for like $650, sold for like $2,500 as a PSA 10. Um, there were some really good deals there. And Nate – didn't come to that when he came to the one in November, which is not as great. Uh, Nate, you can briefly speak on that. Um, not trying to be a negative Nelly, but the amount of the amount of cards they had compared to memorabilia and other stuff was had to have been like 40, 60 cards to other stuff. Yeah. Maybe, maybe 50, 50. I don't know. Um, and then from there, the amount of vintage cards they had compared to new cards was drastic. And then from there, the amount of baseball they had to other sports was even more minuscule. So as a baseball guy, my least favorite show by far was the Chicago Sports Spectacular. There was almost no baseball. And what there was, um, it would be like a $20 card price for 35 bucks, that type of thing. Yeah, Which, it, it was a tough scene, but... Lest I uh, make it sound too disappointing, the National was also in Chicago in the same building, and that was the greatest show of the year. So you win some, you lose some, you know? I agree. I agree. It's hard to be 100% with uh, amazing shows, right? Like, not everything's going to be amazing. It's true. They're fun. They're fun, but sometimes it's just not not like the others. Speaking of tough scenes, and I hesitate to even bring this up to end our episode on tough scenes of the year. <laughs> That one, how about this? We'll do a couple tough scenes, then we'll go into the best moment of the year and then some of our favorite posts of the year. Okay. All right. So we'll do like, let's just pick like two of this. We got a bunch here. I'll do one first and you pick one. How about that? Okay. My tough scene of the year has got to be the hoops, Lamella ball, base rookies launching at like a hundred to $150. When the first basketball product came out, they had Lamelo in a Hornets jersey, hoops base rookie cards selling for 100 to 150 raw. I think that they're like five dollars. <laughs> it's got to be. It's it has to be one of the worst purchases of the year. That's not like a you know multi thousand dollar card. It just has to be. And I just can't believe that people are spending that type of money on that stuff when it came out. I had to throw up the Pikachu, just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this meme. Um, it it was something else, and I don't have to rag on it, but all I'll say is if you are new here to either the Slapstack show or to the sports card market, it's never the best time to buy cards when the product first releases. If you have to get a one-of-one, one, I understand. 
or an out of five. If you're buying the non-number base stuff when a product releases, never do that, please. Just never do it. Mm-mm. Bad, a, a, a bad choice. A oh, bad yeah. choice. Um, my first tough scene is a couple football guys here. Uh, Sam Darnold. We had a Prism Purple Power it's PSA ten that sold for a thousand one hundred dollars, presumably when he got traded to the Panthers. And then also Tim Tebow Tops Chrome X Fractor that sold for fifty five bucks. Now. Neither of those in the grand scheme of things are so, so expensive where it's like, what the heck? But this is based off of news. You're like, oh, Sam Darnold going to the Panthers. And, oh, Tim Tebow getting a chance to be a tight end on the Jaguars. Well, we know how exactly how those things worked out. Not well. People lost money. And it just goes to show you that, especially in the NFL market, sometimes it's worth just sticking to the cream of the crop. Uh, you know, maybe you don't end up making huge amounts of money, but you also aren't going to lose drastic amounts of money by betting that Sam Darnold, who was atrocious for years, was only atrocious because he was on the Jets. Or yeah, that, that Tim Tebow is going to stick as a tight end after not playing in football for years and years and years. Especially now that we know what happened with the Irvin Meyer situation in uh, Jacksonville. Yeah, not good. Not good. Not good. People like to risk their money big time in football, and fifty-five is significantly less than a thousand one hundred. But it's like, it, it's it's insane. It's insane what people do with their money. Some of this stuff. I I know I said just a few, but I I can't not bring up Justin Fields Gold Standard Auto sticker out of five selling for three thousand fifty dollars. I just That's can't. Fair. I just can't can't not bring it up because we still have not had Prism Select Optic. Uh, contenders, National Treasures, Immaculate, any of these cool products are really good investment products release. And you got a sticker auto of Gold Standard out of Justin Fields before the season even starts after a preseason game sell for $3,050? Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, or Mike White. Mike White has one good game. <laughs> Dak Prescott's clearly going to come back and be the starter forever, and people are spending astronomical amounts of money on Mike White. Like, what would be... Nate, joke's on you because he came in and replaced Zach Wilson when Zach Wilson got hurt. Oh, that's right. I'm looking at the Cowboys. And you're thinking right. of Cooper Rush right. had one good game. That's fair. Looking at the Cowboys jersey, completely forgetting where he played. The Jets. He did have a good he, – he had more than one good game with the Jets, right? One good game. <laughs> Just one? Yep, because I think it's, he was he had one good game. He then like got injured. Someone else stepped in and played quarterback. He came back for one more game before Zach Wilson came back, and then he had a really bad game. Well, what are you going to do? But I don't blame you, Nate, because Cooper Rush was a similar situation. Came in and beat the Vikings. Probably Cooper Rush. I forgot about Cooper again. Rush. Well, anyways, backup QBs. If they have a first-round draft pick ahead of them or a guy that's entrenched in a big-time contract, probably don't buy him. Would you agree? I would agree with that. We've seen it countless times again. Do you remember Mason Rudolph, Kyle Allen, any of those guys? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 good if you're buying really, really early and being like, man, he gets one good game. I'm um, I'm golden, but don't be the person buying after he had his, his one good game. No. Nope. All right, what's your last one here? I know you wanted to bring up one more. Uh my last one is Luis Robert. Um, we had a gold auto, if you can believe that, Bowman Chrome Gold Auto PSA nine, after he got injured, sell for thirty six hundred and fifty dollars. Uh this is a tough scene because Talk about an overreaction. Maybe they put it up for auction 
before he got injured, then he gets injured, and then it sells for low. But uh, if you've got somebody as premium talent as Luis Robert, somebody like that, last thing you want to do is sell when they're injured or when they're playing poorly because they're going to bounce back. They're going to bounce back. They're going to have a hot week or two weeks or a month somewhere in that season where the prices will bounce back. Can you imagine being able to buy a gold Bowman Chrome auto of Luis Robert for $36.50? I mean, I, I wouldn't yeah. be the person buying it, but I, I know that that's a good card, obviously, and a player that can bounce back heavy this year. And here he did bounce back at the end of last year, right? Yeah, he was amazing at the end of last year. Now, yeah. walk rates here nor there, but everything else was insane. Exit velocities, getting to power. Um, the dude is really, 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 really good. And this has the potential, like, you're selling for $3,650, which seems really low when you're comparing it to the uh, Justin Fields. But uh, <clears throat> this True. is the type of card that has the potential to hit, like, twenty grand within, like, two years. Yeah. You sold it for thirty six fifty, based off of injury news. Mistake. I agree that is a mistake, but do you know what also is a mistake? It was me failing to realize that we also have twenty twenty two predictions to make. But we'll keep those quick, as we like to say here, which then ends up turning into a long time, uh, and then we'll end with the best thing we saw this year. Okay. So we got some twenty twenty two predictions here. These will not be long because we have got just a few to do. And I'm just going to go down the list, and we're just going to both give our takes here. So first off, we have got the top player of 2022 card investment-wise. I don't know if Nate wrote it down for that, but that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You're up, bro. Oh, I'm going. Luis Robert. I just covered him. You know why I like him. Um, I wanted to go with Wander Franco, but he's already expensive. Luis Robert has lost some market value because of injury and just people not being – too interested when he came back but i think if he plays like he did at the start end of last year to begin next year his market is going to explode um and he's going to cement himself in the wander franco ronald acuna uh juan soto and fernando tatis flag Guerrero jr conversation um but he's not there yet so therefore luis robert is my guy got you uh i've got killing mbappe one of the top players in the world very young we got Champions League coming up, playing on PSG right now. He's going to make a transfer probably to Real Madrid, which is if he can get there and be a mega star at one of the most popular and valuable clubs in the world. Uh, a lot of people you know, talk about the Premier League, but the two most valuable clubs in the world are really Real Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, that's at least the last numbers I saw. And if he can do that, I mean, he's going to be right up there with one of the greatest of all time by the end of uh, by the end of his run with Real Madrid and top of that the 2022 World Cup where he's trying to go back to back from when he is 18 years old and won it with France now he's 20 just turned 23 and uh playing in November in the World Cup so that's where I'm looking at Kylian Mbappe I do have multiple Kylian Mbappe cards for the exact reason just so people know but um I'm a big big fan of him this year I can't wait to see what he does and hopefully I don't know back to back World Cups would be insane at that age there you go. Next up, we've got the top non-sport investment top sport area. Non -sport. What? Top sport or top non-sport? Oh, you're right. Top sport of 2022. <laughs> my bad. Uh, my top sport of 2022, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is soccer. Uh, you've, it's obviously been trending in the right direction for years, and I think it will, as people are kind of like trending down on basketball and trending down on football and baseball, 
I think they're going to be trending up on soccer. More and more people are going to get into the idea of having a Premier League team or a whatever the Spanish La Liga. La Liga is or an Italian League team. As more people get into it, I think more people are going to get into the cards. Um, whereas I think for the most part, if you're American, you're either already in baseball, basketball, and football, or you aren't. And there's no real like getting into it at this point um, if you aren't already into it. But I think soccer, people will be a little bit more open-minded, as I am as an Arsenal fan, number uh, number four in the Premier League. No big deal. Not to mention how the youth is building in, in soccer in America, too. I mean, there's so much more investment going into youth soccer now than there was years ago, especially because of the whole concussion deal with football and and injuries and, and such like that. Obviously, injuries can happen in soccer, too. But um, that is a real thing. And I also have soccer but that's pretty obvious i think a lot of people listening would probably expect me to say that world cup at the end of the year now i want to make it clear that and everyone says world cup end of the year you know by soccer i very much so am under the belief that the worst time to sell your soccer cards is going to be right before the world cup now keep in mind there's certain players that are going to build legacies and add to the history of the world cup add to the history of themselves, their national teams, whatever it is, I'm sure they're going to go up in value during the World Cup or after they win. If France wins and Mbappe's got like, I don't know, eight goals or something throughout the tournament, which would be insane, I'm sure his cards are going to go up in value throughout the tournament. But for a large majority, the majority of the market is probably going to like peak. I, I literally am thinking in like June. You know, World Cup comes in November. I could see like the most spent money coming in like june and july for those people that knew it was coming but was like oh i didn't get my money into it yet so let me put it into it um i would say my like investments in soccer cards are pretty centralized you know i've got my mason mount collection i've got my mbappes i've got my messy patch auto and i've got a couple early hollands and then just a couple of random cards along the way jane sancho vinicius jr some guys like that you know i don't really have like a like just super spread thin collection of soccer cards. So I probably won't be like really selling like a whole lot like throughout the World Cup just because it's a few guys. What's going to be is if Mbappe Blue Refractor 9.5 hits like an all-time high of 15K, then yeah, I'm probably going to sell it at that, you know? like And that's not because I don't believe in him for the next 10 years. I do. It's just like that's such a good sale. Um, I'm just saying be careful on how long you hold it. And if you... I think there's a lot of people out there that are probably like not super into it or haven't been for the last few years um, or 10 years. If you're like a super diehard, cause I'm going to say it like I was into it for like two and a half years. Now I'm not like one of those people have been in for 10 years, but two and a half years is a long, long time in the soccer car market at this point. A lot of people are going to just be in this to make money and sell out and not watch until 2026. So just be careful with how you strategize what you're doing with your soccer cards. That's all I got to say. Next up, we've got the top non-sport of 2022. And Nate's got, I guess, a funny thing to say here. Nate, say it because you're so funny. Uh, my top non-sport was Chelsea Football Club. Uh, they're trash. They don't even deserve to play a sport. Um, they're currently second or third in the Premier League, but we're coming for them. Arsenal's coming for them. It is going to be a happy day in the Rodeval household when I get to call Aaron and mock him for being a trash team. Um, so looking forward to that, but also, also top non-sport realistically is Star Wars. We're about to be inundated with a bunch of Star Wars stuff this next year. 
Now, that's no different than Marvel. We get a ton of Marvel stuff all the time and shows. I think the difference here for Star Wars is that we are going to get big names back. So Obi-Wan is coming back with Ewan McGregor. We're going to be seeing Darth Maul again. We're going to be seeing Hayden Christensen with Darth Vader again. Um, we're seeing Boba Fett at the end of this year. Uh, first episode of Book of Boba Fett came out yesterday. Um, you're going to get more Grogu uh, with Ahsoka, presumably, if that comes out this year. I don't actually know. It might come out in 2023. Um, but there is a going to be a ton of Star Wars and a ton of key characters from people's childhoods or you know teens or whatever in the early 2000s coming back and making appearances on the tv and i think that is going to blow up the star wars market i'm gonna first off ignore nate's first comment and move on to my non-sport of 2022 this this could be very wrong we could be sitting here six months from now and people are big aaron you're an idiot um i'm gonna stick with the marvel pmgs and I'm not saying that that Spider-Man that sold for 72K is next going to sell for 150 in seven months or something because it's not. I bet you that the next time that Spider-Man sells, which is going to be pretty soon because there's like six or seven or eight PSA 9s out there, someone's going to see that that thing went from $1,000 to 72 grand. The next one's probably going to sell for like 55. And then below that, if another one sells, it's going to be like 40. But every single person that's going to sell it, unless they bought the previous copy, is going to make a ton of money on it. So they're not going to be upset about it. Um, Nate, I don't know about you, but if you were holding a PSA 9 and yours sold for 55, would you be mad it didn't sell for 72 like Dave's? I'd be happy if it sold for two. <laughs> if I bought <laughs> it for a thousand. Exactly. So, and I, I guess I'm very confident in that. I can't guarantee it because you can't guarantee anything in the sports car marketplace. I'm not trying to put like a, a guarantee. I will never guarantee something sitting here. I'm always going to say, not guaranteed, just what I think. Uh, I could reasonably see that happening. But I think like spread throughout all the different Marvel PMGs from the different years, depending on which characters are getting new movies, which characters are getting hyped up, this and that, which card copies are good grades. Um, I do see the precious metal gems in general being such a sought after thing because there's so few things that actually get PMGs these days. We haven't had basketball PMGs since the retro sets from Upper Deck, which were like college jersey and high school jersey cards of LeBron which were made after the 97 set from Metal Universe that has the most coveted like Jordan non-auto of all time. So I think anything that has that has the potential to be huge in 2022. Now, of course, don't just buy any one that you see and just hope that's going to grow in value. You got to do your research and figure out if the, how, if the thing's 10x in price, if it's going to drop in price from here, if it's going to grade well. Like There's so much to be known, but I think that there's going to keep on building as Marvel's popularity keeps on growing given that they've released the highest grossing box office movies of all time um, with Endgame and now Spider-Man. And particularly Ivan Miles Morales, PMG from 2017, which I'm hoping uh, Into the Spider-Verse number two that comes out in October is going to be big for that card because that's one of my favorite movies of all time. I can't wait for number two. And I will add on top of that, they did recently pick up some hockey PMGs of some of the top players because of that very reason. I think it can spread to hockey too. Um, I don't want people to like think that I'm trying to hype that and then the cards go up in value. I'm just trying to be honest. I did pick up some for the exact same reason as well. And and I'm excited about the PMG effect because I think that they are some of the best produced cards of all time, uh, dating back to that Metal Universe set. Now, there is a new 2021 or 2022 like Skybox set that's being produced that has no licensing but is going to have PMGs, I believe, of like LeBron and like potentially like streetwear. So I'm going to be very intrigued to see what these things sell for when they come out of the gate because it is going to be another PMG set with 
not hockey or Marvel cards. So we'll see. That's gonna be interesting. For being for being quick hitters, you're uh, not very quick. I am. I'm so long winded. It's terrible. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I just love talking about cards. It's hard to not, especially in a year in, year in review episode. I mean, I knew this was gonna be a long one when we when we set out for it. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, I can say it right back to you too. So watch what you're saying. <laughs> Just kidding. I love being a card nerd. I don't care. I'll live. I'll own it. I'll own but you it can't say, You can't say four eyes to me like I can say to you. So. I don't care. I like my glasses. So screw you. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work once you're like over like 10 years old. <laughs> That's true. Um, Top set of 2022. We don't have to be long winded with this one. Tops. Top set or top set? The top card set of 2022. I'm just kidding. Uh, mine is going to be 2022 MLB Tops Chrome Sapphire for one reason and one reason only, Wander Franco. Nice. That's all I got. That's my top set. Wander Franco top and Tops Chrome Sapphire is like a match made in heaven, especially if it's the blue sapphire look on the uh, Rays blue jersey. Excelente. Nate, I'm going to go out here and say that you're going to rip a lot of 2022 Tops Chrome Sapphire for us on our breaks this year. And if you hit... That Papadasha Wonder Franco one of one. I'm That'd quitting. Be insane. I'm stealing it. <laughs> Nate's quitting slab stocks, quitting being on the internet, switching his name, moving to uh Europe and taking his Wonder Franco with him. Yep. <laughs> and never selling it because uh how do you sell something that's serial numbered one out of one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They'd find you. Uh my top set of twenty twenty two. Panini, please listen to this episode. Please make this set. I don't even know if it's going to be a set. 2022 National Treasures World Cup Soccer. I'm dying, absolutely dying for another release of 20, of National Treasures Soccer. It hasn't been released as a full set since 2018. One of my favorite soccer cards of all time I've had. I don't have any more. It's the Mbappe Gold Rookie number to have 10, BGS 9. Oh, my gosh. What I do to have that card right now? But it. Uh, I really hope that they come out with a 2022 NT full set because – they put National Treasures insert cards into Chronicles this year, but they were like sticker autos and like just jersey cards. And I'm not, I'm not about any of that. Um, I want a full 2022 NT with on card autos of the goats. And maybe if they can get Mbappe to sign somehow, that'd be insane. Or another Eminence set, one of the two. Please, Panini, come through, do it for me and do it for the soccer community. <laughs> that'd there be you crazy. Go. Nate, top show destination of 2022. Now, there are a lot of show places that I would like to go. Vegas will be cool. Miami's always nice. Tampa would be nice. Dallas, again, would be nice. Uh, maybe like uh, San Diego would be cool or uh, Seattle or Boston, New York. Like, there's so many sweet places you could go in this world. And yet, somehow, some way, because of the national, Atlantic City, of all places, is the top destination for 2022. A real major underdog story, uh, like the Kurt Warner, the Kurt Warner uh, movie. Uh, that's Atlantic City right now. Like, there's so many places I would love to go from like a city standpoint, and yet the one I'm looking forward to the most is Atlantic City. That that is something else because I also have Atlantic City pegged, but it does nothing to do with the words Atlantic City. It has everything to do with the words the national. And that just shows you how important the national is because you could put a show in the best place in America and it will not draw the attendance nor the uh, allure of the national in Atlantic city. So 
What I'm not looking forward to is making a drive out to Atlantic City versus driving down to Chicago an hour down the road. But yeah, I'm very excited to see what it's like because I've heard mixed reviews and I've actually heard from some people that it's an incredible show. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think we've got a hotel on like the boardwalk or something and it's going to you can like walk down to the show. So we'll see what it's like. Could be cool. cool. You know, let's not knock until we try it. Right, Nate? That's right. That's we'll right. We'll see. Uh, next one I've got here is Top Card Chop of 2022, but we have got a lot of friends like Nate put. So, Nate, let's just start throwing out some names and there's obviously many others out there. Okay. Well, starters, Brewtown, worked there for uh, like six months of my life in two different steps. And uh, those are my guys. So Brewtown is number one for me. Greenfield, Wisconsin. Greenfield, Wisconsin. There's just a multitude of other names too I just want to throw out there because I think to be a shop owner, it takes a lot of hustle, a lot of hard work, and a lot of determination. And uh, Ryan Card Collector 2 in Columbus, I want to make a trip down to him soon here. Uh, of course, Jamil down at the Mealy Pop Shop in Gainesville. Dude's one of the hardest workers I know. Jimmy, Kentucky basketball cards over with the Kentucky Road Show in uh, Lexington, Kentucky. Also opening, you know, the Dallas Road or the Texas Road Show, California Road Show, and uh, New York Road Show. I think all in 2022 or some already might be open. Um, and then also Anthony at Cards and Culture down in Louisiana. Uh, Anthony was a great guy uh, who used to play for the White Sox that we met at the National, and he's a very cool guy. Opened a cool shop in in, uh, in Louisiana. And uh, there's just so many more people out there that have shops and open shops and and are trying to you know do their best to connect people with cards. And I, I give props to all of them because I know it's a hard it's a hard thing to do. And and big props to everyone. Uh, there's actually a card shop that just opened in my neck of the woods, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, called For the Hobby, um, opened up by Jordan Hagerdon, um, or Dorn. I'm not 100 percent sure how to say his last name. Uh, but he just opened a a card shop in Eau Claire in one of the quote-unquote rougher neighborhoods of Eau Claire where he grew up um, because he loves the area and he loves the place. He could have lived anywhere. He's lived in New York. He's lived multiple places, but he came home to Eau Claire and opened up a card shop here when he could have done it anywhere. So props to him because a lot of people might move to greener pastures, but he's trying to make it work in a city of you know 60,000 with another 30, 40,000 people in the surrounding area. This isn't, you know, Milwaukee with, you know, 2 million people to choose from. It's, or Minneapolis with 4 million people, or New York with 20 million people. It's Eau Claire, Wisconsin. So props to him and props to the uh, For the Hobby Card Shop. Also, shout out to uh, Tampa Card Shop with uh, Bryant and Matt and then Anna, who helps out there a lot. Miss Sports Cards. Great people. Run, in, run into them at nearly every single show I go to. So just want to give a shout out to them too, because they just opened their shop uh, second half of this year. Nice. I did not know that. All right. We have something here that says, what happens to the junk slabs? And this, we don't need to, we already talked a lot about these types of cards, but Nate, just what happens to them in 2022? Um, I think tens will be movable depending on player performance. And I'm thinking like junk slabs, not like John Morant. I mean, I guess you could consider John Morant's Zion junk slab base cards, but like. Are you talking like Kyle Lewis PSA 10? That's like 20 bucks or not. I'm thinking Kyle Lewis PSA 10. It's like 12. <laughs> or Gavin Lux, something like that. I think a PSA 10 of them could move some. You know, it could move up to 20 bucks if they play well. I don't think it's going to move much past that. But if you buy it at 12 and you sell for 20, you're good. I don't think PSA 9s are going to be movable of guys like that. Um, no matter how well Gavin Lux does, you pay $5 for a PSA 9 right now. I think he's still paying $5 for a PSA 9 no matter how well he plays. 
I I 100% echo what Nate says, and I'll also add in that there is an opportunity to be a budget card buyer and seller. There always has been, there always will be, because there's always going to be different things to buy. Um, what it is, who knows? But like you know, we've seen certain cards go from that 20 to 30, 20 to 40. If it's a PSA 10 that hit a low, there's still going to be a point to where these cards hit a low once the amount, excuse me, that come back from grading are ready to be sold. Um, and whenever that point is, I mean, you can definitely go from how many times we've seen a card Nate, go from five to ten dollars or ten to twenty like you just said oh, it's yeah. possible it is you know, and, many, and if you if you you know quadruple up you spend 20 bucks but you know on four cards the same guy and he does well and you make 20 bucks there's no shame in that yep and uh that's what it used to be like over a year in the hobby it would take a long time to make money it take a long i remember time when we started our bowman buying bowman chromes if we bought an auto for 20 bucks and it hit 30 28 dollars by the end of the year we were ecstatic because it shows that there's movement it it shows that people want to pay more you know and that's what was the exciting thing it wasn't going from 20 to 100 uh that's nearly that used to be nearly impossible that's like pete alonzo name remember when pete alonzo went from like 20 to 100 and it was like this is insane yeah and i was losing my mind because fernando tis was still sitting at 20 yeah well not for bowman chrome auto but that's well, why I, I signed up for. Oh, I'm taking way it, back when. Like I'm saying, way, like, way, way, yeah, like way back when. Well, 2017, maybe 2018. Yeah, like when we really first started in 2018. Um, well, first started doing slab stocks, and the last thing I'd say is just the people you don't want to be at the junk slabs are the ones that bought really high or the ones that are getting back from grading, like Nate. <laughs> and if you're not in that boat, you're good. If you are in that boat you're still good because you can still sell those cards and buy other cards and make more money and, and collect other cards and be excited about the hobby. It does not mean that the hobby's dead. It doesn't mean that your hobby journey is dead. It's a bump in the road. We all have them multiple it's ways true. throughout throughout the journey. And I would like to point out that Aaron has brought up my PSA submission coming back multiple times, but he fails to bring back his PSA submission that is also coming back with also I, cards in it. I brought it up in different episodes, but yes, I do have like 150 <laughs> Pokemon cards out there, many of which are going to be selling for like five to ten dollars, but there are going to be ones that are going to be selling for like a hundred, which I'll take. I'll take that. So that'd be cool. Um, last thing for 2022 predictions, Nate. What are you looking forward to the most in 2022? Um, hitting up more shows i think uh we got the vegas show coming up i'm excited for that um we've got the national but i think maybe we should and you're going to you're going to england um trying to hit up more shows that we don't normally go to like we get to florida a lot we get to dallas but maybe we should try to hit up uh i'm looking forward to trying to hit up something in the i don't know new york or boston or washington or idaho or i don't i don't care you know somewhere different yeah, no, that that is fair. And Boston, I know they actually have their first show like at the beginning of the year, which we won't be able to make it to, but uh, maybe maybe sometime in 2022. But yeah, more cool areas. I mean, it's cool to be able to travel and to see new places in America because of cards. I've never been to, you know, that that, that area of downtown Tampa before, or that or Miami ever before, or Vegas ever before until cards. So it's cool to be able to do that. I'm excited. Atlantic City in 2022. Um. What am I looking forward to the most in 2022? I know Nate didn't ask me, but I'll tell you all anyways. Oh, um, <laughs> I I just think more more people getting excited about what cards are because they want to be in cards. I think we're to the point now that the people who don't really love cards aren't 
probably going to be sticking around. I mean, I think we there's probably been a lot of people there over the last eight months and how the market has trended and what's hot, what's not. It's probably pushed a lot of people out there. We're in it for a quick dollar. You remember um, how many people we used to see that were big into cards constantly posting all the time? And now where are they? Crickets, yeah. I, mean, I don't see their Instagram accounts posting anything at all. Yeah, so it, it, it's very clear that, that that happened. It's clear that that was going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Um, but I here's the thing, though. Like, we say that, but there's a lot of amazing people out there and a lot of people still collecting and buying and selling and grading and going to show. Like, there's just so much to be excited about that those people who came in and, you know, try to make a little bit of money here and then just leave and go on to the next thing. Um, these cryptocurrencies. Yeah, which there's people, there's people, and I, I don't want to just, I, I didn't say the specific ones for a reason. I know there's people who still love cards and will go on to the next thing, but also stay in cards, which is why I didn't, didn't want to bring it up because, you know, you got guys like Summertime Cards Anthony, who is it mixed that, in? That, 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 is, that is very fair. And I probably spoke out of turn. I don't want to single anybody out. You can be in NFTs and cryptocurrencies and cards all at the same time. But I have certain people I was thinking of in my head that were like, cards, 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 and all of a sudden, crypto, 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 and then NFTs, 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 and, you know, it'll be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next that, thing. That, there's plenty of guys who love all three, yeah. and that is perfectly fine. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what, Nate, I was thinking the same thing, too, so we're both on the same page there. Um, but that's what I'm looking forward to, just more more of the more of the awesome uh, vibes around cards because it's what I love. It's what I've done my whole life, and I'm super excited to be in here for another year in 2022. In the way, uh, as long as Nate doesn't have anything else to add, do you have anything else to add? Mm. All right, the way I want to end this episode, and I know that we're at like an hour and a half now, which is okay because it's our year in review, um, is the best thing I saw in 2021. Um, this was a pretty incredible moment. If anyone knows um, the person by the name of, I know his first name's Mason on Instagram. I'm going to get the last name here. I know it starts with an F. I just know I can't pronounce it correctly. Uh, Mason. Feruli23, that's F-E-R-R-U-L-L-I-23. I'll have it on the screen here on Instagram. Um, right in the bio of his Instagram story, I'm just going to, or in his Instagram page, I'm just going to read it off here. Three-time epidemoma brain cancer, that pronounced that wrong too, and one-time spine cancer survivor, never give oh. up. Uh, what do you say? I said, oh. Yeah, it, it's just not something you want to go through. And this kid's always out here, you know, fighting and everything and it's just amazing to see in this year him and his dad were opening a box of i think it was definitive baseball and he pulled an aaron judge logo patch one of one and it's one of the craziest videos i've seen like just like you literally would start crying watching it if you love cards enough and love kids enough and want to make sure that you know people are uh you know getting what they deserve in life and it's just so cool to see that in his moment with his dad, and and I urge you to go watch the video. It's got like eighty thousand views on his Instagram page. It's not like that that went through like a Bleacher Report and got eighty thousand views. Like it's that many people migrated his Instagram page to watch it because it was that amazing a video. And next thing you know, he's meeting Aaron Judge, and Aaron Judge is taking pictures with him. And that's it's just so cool to see how something like cards can make this many people excited about something for someone who they don't even know, us included too. I mean, I've never been that excited to see someone else like pull something like that. And it was just such a moment. And, you know, Mason, we're here for you, the entire Slapstacks team. I know that the fight's been probably long and it's difficult. And, you know, we hope you keep fighting and keep keep improving and, and, and pull through. But it's it's been really fun to, to just see how many people have, have supported 
Mason throughout this. And, and it's, it's definitely the best thing I saw this year in cards for sure. And I echo that off of someone this morning that commented on our Instagram post about their best card memory from this year and said that too. And that really, you know, got me thinking. I, I agree with that. I agree too. That's uh, not everyone has the same draw in life. And sometimes you just gotta realize that and buckle down and keep going anyways. So yeah, pretty incredible. So that's all we got. That's all we got. This was the year in 2021 weekly slab episode. Um, guys, every Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, 5 p.m. Central time, this episode will be dropping on YouTube and Spotify and Apple podcast. And we, we, this is a thank you from all of us. Um, they can say his thanks too, but for all the support in 2021, it was definitely one of the most interesting years of my life and one of the most exciting years of my life for multiple different reasons. There were a lot of challenges that we faced along the way, uh, many of which, you know, not the you know the everyday follower of Slapstacks wouldn't really see. Um, but we've got a lot of exciting things to come in 2022. And I urge you to follow us on at Slapstacks on Instagram for a really amazing announcement coming at the beginning of the year, um, which is, you know, a little bit in the making here, but I'm very excited about it. And uh just more great things to come from us and we'll keep doing everything we can to bring free content and support the community as much as possible. Um, that's, that's what our passion is to make sports cards accessible to everyone. And we just want to make sure that people are, you know, enjoying it for what it is. And, and we'll do our best to do that. Couldn't say it better myself. I had a great year. Uh, got married, got, went to some card shows. Um, Got to go to some. I got to go to a Brewers game for the first time in uh, like two years, which was really fun. Um, Bucks won the championship, so uh, a great year for me. Maybe a little bit better than Aaron's, I suppose. But uh, very excited, very very excited to see just my personal life, Aaron's personal life, and then also our slab stocks lives. Uh, how they are going to go forward in twenty twenty two. Some some very, very, very exciting things. And also a lot of that has to do with everyone watching this, because if people didn't reach out and talk to us and it was just talking into a void constantly, there would be no enjoyment in this. No, <laughs> no enjoyment I, at all. It's the it's getting to meet the Tony Harleys of the world or, you know, the top 10 Tonys or, um, you know, seeing the card collector twos in real life or anything like that, that uh, is is makes this worth it and so uh thank you yeah thank you and i hope you all have a good 2022 and end of 2021 for sure and uh nate that is awesome being as winning first of all but also yeah you know challenges arise throughout people's lives throughout the year but i will say this is that the end of 2021 has been awesome amazing and it couldn't make me more excited for 2022 and i've learned a lot this year and excited for all fronts um slab stocks wise personal wise and it's going to be a great, a great 2022, I think. So I'm, I'm just excited to get there and see what it brings. Let's go. Yeah, fire up, everyone. Fire up. Let's go. So I All hope right. everyone else has a good 2022 also. And, really a, and well. more importantly, a very, very good end of 2021. Don't do anything stupid. As I was say, go safe drinking and driving on the 31st at midnight or anything like that. Get home safe and start 2022 with a bang. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't say that one better myself either. So thank you everyone for watching this year in review episode is the weekly episode number four. And we will see you all next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time for another edition of the weekly slab. See you guys.